0: Welcome to the Coaching Talks Podcast, your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey. How can mindfulness become your best ally? Today, we'll talk about how mindfulness may help us to prevent and combat stress and burnout together with the mindfulness meditation coach, Chips Okoreke. And now, relax and enjoy. Welcome back, this is Mark Siles speaking today from our studios in Helsinki. During the last years, there has been a growing interest in how mindfulness addresses topics like stress and burnouts. According to Harvard Medical School, mindfulness meditation may ease anxiety and mental stress. As mindfulness has become mainstream and more extensively studied, growing evidence suggests multiple psychological and physical benefits of mindfulness exercises. Systematic reviews and meta-analyses of hundreds of research studies suggest that mindfulness-based interventions help decrease anxiety, depression, stress, and pain, and help improve general health, mental health, and quality of life. These practices also appear to reduce inflammation and increase the response of our immune system. To talk about how mindfulness may help us to prevent and combat stress and burnout we have today with us on the phone all the way from australia chips okereke chips is a mindfulness meditation coach and a qualified mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher accredited from the center for mindfulness at the university of massachusetts medical school his mission is to bring meditation to everyday australians using language and methods that are simple straightforward and relatable to help individuals gain control of their minds rather than letting their minds control them chips works with high achieving individuals and teams to boost productivity focus and creativity he also worked with individuals who are suffering from stress burnouts anxiety and depression to improve their health and get some balance back into their lives chips welcome to our show
1: thank you very much thanks for having me
0: It's great to have you with us, and we'll talk soon about the topic that has touched both of us and to many of our listeners. But before that, let me ask you, what are you passionate about? Oh, gosh.
1: Well, my passions in life and my passions at work are now pretty much the same thing. And that was one of the things that I decided to do a few years ago after after my burnout that we can talk about later, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so my... My passion is mindfulness. my passion is reducing suffering mm-hmm. both in myself and in, and in other people. and I figured that if I choose my, my passion as a profession, then life couldn't really go wrong. I'm sure it will do. I'm sure it will find a way of, <laughs> of, of challenging me. of course it always does. Mm-hmm. But I think it really helps me. It helps me to keep myself on the right track while helping other people. And it just seems to be a really great feedback mechanism that that, that comes along when you do start helping people. As I say in my bio, when I help others, it makes me feel good. When I'm compassionate to others, I treat myself more kindly. It's a bit of a selfish pursuit, (laughs) this passion of mine.
0: Could you tell us a bit more about your journey from being a successful CEO to become a mindfulness coach?
1: Yeah, and I suppose it's... It's always, we always have to define our terms. So what does successful CEO mean for a start? Who knows? Um, You know, my definition of success now is very different to my definition of success back then. I was in a role where, which was very lucrative for me. So I had all the stuff. I had the apartment. I had the fancy cars. I had the traveling around the world business class so you know everything everything looked successful and looked great on the outside but really I was covering up a lot of a lot of difficulties a lot of challenges on the inside mm-hmm. so you know I I've, I've suffered from, from anxiety for a while but uh, probably all my life but I always thought of anxiety as this well, and and stress as, you know, this good stress, this kind of good burn that kind of helps to lift your game and helps you helps you strive and helps you succeed. And when things are going well, you know, and my companies kept building up and building up and building up and the money was coming in. And, you know, so when challenges do come along, I was always resilient enough to combat those challenges. Mm-hmm. But you're just slowly burning yourself out when you're not aware of what's going on, when you're not aware of the resources that you're draining. And if you do on top of that, you you cover up your anxiety by distracting yourself or numbing yourself with drink or drugs or gambling or food or work. Um, people even uh, cover over their anxieties with work. If we're not aware of where we're at, even when things are good, we can still be slowly burning ourselves out. But then my company took a turn for the worst. And then all of a sudden, all my resources just came crashing down around me. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't in a position to I couldn't think properly. I lost all my capabilities, all my creativity, my resilience was just gone. And I was just left in a in a state where I just didn't feel capable. I was suddenly I felt completely overwhelmed and even the smallest of of issues would be able to derail me completely and all of a sudden this kind of high-flying CEO that just had so much resilience and, and was able to battle through anything. All of a sudden i couldn 't do that anymore, but I built up such a facade, such a armor around me, and it was very, very difficult for me to admit that to people, even you know so I was left in this really anxious, depressed state where i couldn 't even admit to anyone the position that I was in because I just felt like i couldn 't be vulnerable in that way because yeah it just it just didn 't feel right. I ended up realizing that I had to make a big change um I found mindfulness and mindfulness really changed my life It really turned my life around mm-hmm. um, and then I decided to pack everything in move away from that lifestyle, really work out what I wanted out of life so I traveled around and went to various retreats and you know mindfulness retreats and then mm-hmm. I, I came to the conclusion that you know this is what I want to bring to the world I want to demystify this whole mindfulness thing and I want to make it, make it appropriate and make it accessible to everyday people.
0: This is a difficult question, but if you had to choose just one big learning, a big insight you got out of your burnout experience, what would you say that uh, this one has been?
1: When I started paying a lot of attention to my body and my sensations, and rather than living up in my head the whole time, which a lot of us do, and that's really the beginnings of the mindfulness journey mm-hmm. is to start paying attention to the body. So dropping our awareness down into the body and because I'm looking at myself over and over again on a daily basis, I'm taking notice of the sensations, I'm taking notice of the feelings, I'm taking notice of what thoughts are in my mind. I realized very quickly that for me, anxiety and excitement felt exactly the same inside my body. Hmm. So that was my first big insight. And I'd say that was the insight that that took me deep into mindfulness. I've had many other insights since then, but that was the big one. That was the one that really steered me in the right direction. Because then I realized that it's all about awareness. So I wasn't aware that anxiety and excitement felt exactly the same inside my body. So a tightness in the chest, uh, lurching in the stomach, you know, sweaty palms, maybe a buzzing in the back of my head. The only thing that was different with my feelings of anxiety and my feelings of excitement the thought processes that associated with them so for me big insight they feel exactly the same so I need to be careful I need to be just as careful of my excitement as I need to do as I need to be with my anxiety because the body's still in that fight or flight even when you're excited so even when things were good in my business I was still burning myself out I still had a lot of adrenaline and cortisol and God knows what running around my system. But I thought that was a good thing because I was excited. It was ambition. It was purpose-driven. It was future. It was goals. But I now realise that that's just as damaging on the body if left unchecked. So now I notice when I'm excited, and I just and I'll still bring myself into into a state of calm even when I notice I'm excited. Same for uh, same for anxiety. So I kind of treat my body without judgment.
0: I think that's a very important point, especially to understand that there's nothing wrong with the short-term stress exposure. There is a reason why it's there. There is a reason why Mm -hmm. we experience those short-term alert moments. Having said that, as you were mentioning, the challenge is is when those moments start to be permanent, either in both forms not just on the, yes. on, the, on the form of anxiety, but also in permanent state of alert by excitement. So both could yeah. drive us to the situation of uh, burnout. Thinking about the work environments where we are at the moment and the kind of living we have put ourselves into, would you say that burnout is inevitable without the awareness? Well,
1: my job is to help my clients before they get to the burnout stage. So I view burnout as a very serious condition. You know, so, and I think that maybe what other people refer to as burnout are the beginnings of burnout. (laughs) So for me, there was a change. There was a dramatic change over a period of days where suddenly everything just tipped over the edge and my brain wasn't working properly anymore and my body wasn't working properly anymore. That was a severe burnout. So no, absolutely not. I don't think it's inevitable that you get to that stage. And as you know, with stress, stress is a lot about perception. Mm-hmm. We can have feelings of overwhelm and stress, but the reality might be very different. So we might not be in a stressful environment and we might feel stressed and overwhelmed, or we might be in a really stressful, chaotic environment, but we can feel calm about it. So it's all about understanding ourselves. And this is why I always bring it back to awareness. We have to understand mm-hmm ourselves and we have to be able to become aware of our limits and also to understand that when we are having these feelings of overwhelm they're not necessarily real so mindfulness helps us to come back to the present moment and in the present moment 99% of the time everything's okay we're safe the body doesn't feel like it's safe the body might feel like it's in fight or flight but we understand through practice that the feelings in the body don't equate with the reality of the situation. So it's about bringing ourselves back into feelings of safety and then being aware that we are in a safe environment to start really noticing when they're starting to get their stress levels rising, when they're starting to get into fight or flight. And so for me now, every time I notice that I notice a bit of anxiety in the body or I notice the the heart rate going or I notice the sweaty palms, that is a reminder now to me to just take some time out have a look around. <laughs> are there any threats in the environment? Yes, no. Yes, okay. If there are threats, great. I'll, <laughs> I'll do something about it. But 99 times out of 100, there aren't any threats in the environment. So I'm trained and I train my, my clients too to become aware of the threat response inside the body and that, and then be able to and then use techniques to bring themselves back into a, a relaxed and focused uh, state of mind so yeah if we notice that early on then we never get to the burnout stage because we can take measures to to stop ourselves from falling into that burnout stage and we can take some time out if we need to take time out or we can change our environment if we need to change our environment so we can do something about it as long as we catch it quickly
0: The present moment is filled with joy and happiness. If you're attentive, you will see it. Fitch in Zen master. We have been mentioning now quite a few times the word mindfulness, and I'm sure that if we check in internet or in other resources, we're we'll gonna kind of find a lot of different definitions for the word mindfulness. What does it mean for you?
1: Yes, yeah, so you can find probably a thousand different definitions of mindfulness. This is my my personal definition. I'd probably give, give other people a different definition. But for me, okay. mindfulness is another word for remembering. Hmm. So I just want to remember <laughs> to pay attention, remember to be aware. But also with mindfulness, it's remembering in a particular way. For me, mindfulness is about paying attention to what's going on right now in my experience. So and um, there are three aspects to mindfulness for me. And one, it's an exercise of concentration and focus. Two, it's about clarity. So it's about being clear on where your experience is coming from. Mm-hmm. So is your experience coming from what you see or from what you're thinking or from what you're hearing? So just getting clear on, on what your experience actually is. And then mindfulness the third part of mindfulness is is equanimity so it's not having any preference so it's not trying to control the environment when it can't be controlled and it's about being okay with whatever you find mindfulness to me is just remembering to pay attention in the right way and with mindfulness the more mindful you become the more you cultivate that wisdom
0: I noticed as well a bit of confusion between the words mindfulness and meditation. You know, some people even using them as a replacement from uh, one another. What would you say that is the main difference between both of them, between mindfulness and meditation, or are they the same?
1: Mindfulness is being deeply aware of what's happening right now in my sensory experience. Mm-hmm. Without commentating on it, without telling myself stories about it, and without interfering in the process. So it's pure awareness, it's deep awareness of what's happening right now in my senses. Now meditation is an activity. So meditation is a thing that you do. So it's a concentration exercise. So when I meditate, I concentrate on one object, for instance, the breath, I'm going to concentrate on the breath. Every time I get Distracted? I'm going to come back to the breath. That's an object of concentration. It could be an image in your mind that you're concentrating on, maybe an image of the Buddha or something like that, or it could be a mantra that you're saying over and over again, or it could be a flame that you're looking at. Okay, so meditation is just a concentration exercise, and it's about practicing that concentration, and every time you, your mind wanders, you come back. Now, mindfulness meditation is what's going on right now in your experience. So we're not coming up with mantras. We're not creating anything. We're not creating images in our minds. We're not saying affirmations. It's like, what do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel? And we bring awareness to that. And you can also uh, be paying attention and bringing awareness to your thoughts. So that images in the mind and words that you hear inside your mind.
0: Now a bit of a provocative question to you. Uh, why should people care about mindfulness and meditation? What do you think they get out of it, if there's anything to get out of it?
1: Gosh, well, I mean, the this, the research is out. There's about four decades of, of research with MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is what I'm qualified to teach in. Mm-hmm. And you can You can go online, you can have a look at all the different studies that have been done i mean there's been probably over a thousand uh, university studies each year now for mindfulness and meditation mm. it's something that people are really starting to take take seriously. Companies are taking it very seriously as well. school systems are taking it seriously you know so So everyone's starting to realise that okay, this even though it's an ancient technique, they're starting to realise okay, this actually does provide really excellent benefits. So healthy body, healthier body, healthy mind, less stress, less overwhelm, anxiety, depression. There's less emotional reactivity. Um, it helps with your sleep. It helps with your performance at work or at school. Um, so with athletic performance, there's so many amazing benefits to mindfulness meditation. It's it's a concentration exercise. So it improves your focus because many of us have a, have a big difficulty in focusing. It allows you to focus more keenly on whatever it is that you want to focus on. Hopefully meditation brings a lot of wisdom with it the practice of mindfulness brings wisdom with it and cultivates that wisdom because of course you can use your concentration your focus for good or for evil <laughs> so um but yeah but essentially it will make you better at concentrating on whatever it is that you want to concentrate on so if it's athletic performance or work or being a better person or you know uh, curbing your addictions it just helps you focus in the right ways.
0: Let's go a bit deeper on the main topic we are talking about today. How can it support the prevention and recovery from potential burnout situations?
1: It's a lot more challenging once you've reached the burnout stage. You know, it's, it's almost like, I mean, a burnout for me... It's almost like diabetes you know you can eat sugar 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 and then all of a sudden at some point your body will crack and you've got type 2 diabetes and then it's very difficult to bring yourself back into balance after your body has been shut down in such a major way so, so I kind of see it the same with with burnout when you get to the real burnout stage it's a lot more difficult to kind of claw yourself back well I certainly was able to do it but I had the luxury of money in the bank and time to take out and I could take a a lot of time out to recover and to heal. So I'm desperate to get the message out there to people so that they can find mindfulness. And mindfulness isn't the only way, Mm -hmm. by the way. Um, Mindfulness is, is one excellent way for many people to help themselves develop that awareness. But I mean, for me, the secret to a good life is really very simple it's make sure you <laughs> make sure you sleep enough make sure you eat well make sure you move the body each day and make sure you give the mind a break each day you know and my way of giving the mind a break is through mindfulness meditation and the great thing about mindfulness meditation is it helps with the other three parts of it so it helps you get better sleep it helps you if you are maybe addicted to sugar or eating badly it helps you to keep yourself focused on eating well and it also helps you with your exercise as well it improves your performance in every aspect of your life it's it's not the it's not the be all and end all but i would definitely recommend i mean everyone's got 10 minutes a day to sit there and be quiet with the eyes closed and pay a bit of attention to the body. Mm, um cool. it often feels like we haven't got enough time. Again, that's one of the things that mindfulness helps with. It gets us more of a healthier relationship with with time. And when we notice the anxiety building up about time, we can just allow that anxiety to to sit in the body for a little while and we can watch it in a mindful way.
0: Keeping in mind your own experience and what you notice as well among your clients, which are the main challenges you see with um, traditional ways or like the normal ways to try to manage stress on our daily lives?
1: To be honest, I think that people, the way that people deal with stress, and this tends to be the case with most of my clients, is in some unhelpful behavior. So we, we, we try and distract ourselves. I think stress management techniques have been the same ever since time began you know and I go back to my eat well sleep well <laughs> do some exercise and do some meditation.
0: We can also define it as the things you have noticed that uh, don't work you know in that simple way which things would you say that do not work?
1: Yeah so the things that don't work and this was this was my life for a, for a long time you know my way of coping with stress was through all sorts of addictive behaviors so it could be everything from drinking and drugs to actually you know you can sometimes you can kid yourself and say okay well now I'm now I'm just going to exercise every day or I'm going to work really hard at, at, you know I'm going to I'm going to really concentrate on my career but really what we're doing is we're feeling uncomfortable we're feeling stressed and so what we do we look for another way of distracting ourselves or to numb ourselves so it's either numbing or it's distraction for me, as I said, I could use all—I had every trick in the book to uh, to get around my stress. But what you're doing, you're just parking it to one side. Okay, you're just you're just pushing it to the side, pushing it to the side, and it's building up somewhere because there's there's a feeling that we're trying to avoid by moving towards these addictive behaviours. But feelings—if we just sit with the feelings for a little while—they end up dissipating by themselves. Even if you're feeling at the height of your anger, if you're feeling absolutely enraged. You sit with that feeling of, of rage for a few minutes and you don't try and push it away, you don't try and do anything with it, you just observe it, it's gonna go after a few minutes. Okay. Might turn into something else, but it will definitely not stay the same. And so this is what we're doing with mindfulness. We're just we're allowing people to become more comfortable with their discomfort so they're not trying to run away from it or push it away or or hide it from themselves. We don't have to sit there in the depths of our discomfort the whole time. There is the option to walk away and leave it for a little while. But what we do, we practice pushing the limits of our discomfort. Okay? So we sit there with our feelings of anxiety or our feelings of sadness or our feelings of anger, and we investigate those feelings. Now, what does that feeling feel like? What thoughts might be coming up while it's happening? What what images might I see in my mind while this is all happening? And we just allow ourselves to, to start getting comfortable with our discomfort. And then we realise, okay, well, it's not that bad. It doesn't feel that bad. But what happens is all the feelings and the thoughts and the images and the self-talk it all kind of multiplies with each other and it all kind of uh, ties in with each other and just multiplies the feeling and the sensation Mm -hmm. then it becomes overwhelming but when we can because we're practicing looking at one thing over and over again we can notice okay let me just focus on the sensations all right now let me focus on the self-talk okay now let me focus on the images that might be coming up in my mind and images alone yeah uncomfortable not that uncomfortable Self-talk alone, yeah, it's uncomfortable, not that uncomfortable. And the same thing for feelings. So if we can separate out the feelings, separate out the sensations, and separate out our experience, and this is what we're going back to the definition of mindfulness, is about getting clarity on our sensory experience. Where is the information coming from? And then we can look at one thing at a time. And one, one thing by itself isn't overwhelming. Three things tied in with each other and multiplying and you know it gives us this illusion gives us this illusion that the world is coming to an end and this feeling of overwhelm this feeling that i can't handle life so yeah it's about easy um easy exposure gentle exposure to the discomfort so then we can become comfortable so now if i'm feeling sad all right i'm going to sit here and i'm going to feel sad i don't need to run away i don't need to change my environment Um, I don't need to try and control the world outside me. I can just sit here and I can patiently observe what's going on inside my body. And it's just a a big relief off, you know, when we can finally let go of the world, finally let go of having to control everything around us, which is impossible, by the way. (laughs) But our mind still, we've tasked our mind with this job of controlling the world for us. It's a big task for one mind to try and control our family, our friends, our partners, our lovers, our kids, our work, our you know whether the bus comes on time or the train's late
0: that's right, and that brings us what a good perspective, thinking about all the stimulus we have nowadays with smartphones t v marketing messages from Instagram to Facebook to bring our awareness state to multiple places at the same time, so I can see how that can interrupt or make this exercise even more challenging when we try to bring it to our daily life. How can our audience start bringing meditation awareness into their lives or even for those who are already practicing it become better?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a complete beginner, then I'd suggest finding an app, you know, that would be a great way to start. Let's just get the ball moving. So there are plenty of really great apps out there, uh, but the apps rely on your own willpower. And some of us, you know, myself included, <laughs> when I started on my meditation journey, an app wouldn't have done it for me for a long period of time. You know, uh, it takes about 21 days for a for a habit to start cultivating, and it takes about maybe 90 days, I think, before the habit's really ingrained. So, for me, I needed accountability. I needed to go to a regular class each week. I actually got myself a coach to start off with and I did one-on-one with a coach so if you're really disciplined, just use an app, that will be fine, you know, and then you'll know what you need help with, and maybe you can get a meditation coach to finesse your skills. But I would I would have a look for a course. Now uh, the MBSR course is done all over the world and everyone is taught that course in the same way. So you know that you're getting four decades worth of research behind your teaching. So I would, I would encourage an MBSR course. But that, even that is a bit overwhelming for some people because that's an eight week course, two and half hours a week 30 to 40 minutes of meditation a day so find a course find a beginners a beginner's course somewhere there's plenty of uh, meditation teachers around the place and there's a lot of people that are doing uh, teaching online now so you know i, I teach meditation via skype and via zoom they can come to me and i can coach them <laughs>
0: Awesome. We're gonna put down your references as well, just in case somebody wants to read. Yeah,
1: and if you and taking meditation to the next level, I would say if you're already meditating, then if you haven't done a silent retreat, then that will be a, a big challenge for you, and that will really that really took my meditation to the next level. Even when you are meditating every day religiously, it's still it's still very difficult to get your mind to perfectly settle. So. If you're in an environment where you don't have to worry about food, you don't have to worry about what time you go to bed, you don't have to worry about emails or TV or anything like that, and all you're doing is meditating, then you really take things, things to the next, next level.
0: As you were talking, uh, it captured my attention when you said the silent retreat. i think seen that for most of us, you know, especially myself, I like a lot to talk. So I cannot imagine keeping myself away mm. from using that precious sound for, for a week. So I'm sure that will be an amazing experience to go through. How many days are you keeping your boys in silent during those retreats, the silent retreats?
1: There's various retreats from, you know, a weekend silent retreat to months and months that I do 10 day silent retreats. Um, I find that's a really good amount of time for the the mind to settle. And if I went inside for three months, then I'm sure I wouldn't be able to, you know, look after my daughter (laughs) and (laughs) and carry on the other responsibilities in life. But maybe 10 days tends to be Mm -hmm. a good amount of time for most of us. Most of us can afford to take that sort of time out maybe once a year.
0: These kind of exercises and retreats may make you a better listener, noticing more not just what's going on within you, but as at the same time notice better what goes within other people. How would you describe that experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'll tell you what happened on my first silent retreat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I ended up realizing a lot about what I had about my part to play in various arguments that I'd had in the past, so you know, I had a list of people. <laughs> I had a list of people to kind of go. Oh, do you remember that? Da, 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 da. <laughs> well, I see your point of view now,
0: <laughs> and I'm sorry.
1: And, and I'm sorry about my part that I had to play in it. You can really see your own thought patterns come up, and when you're really quiet, you can really notice the the tricks that you play on yourself and when i realize that i'm i'm in fight or flight things become very black and white so this is right this is wrong so when you're triggered you tend to be in that frame of mind so then the world is is wrong and you're right okay so it's it's so it's really reinforcing your ego mm-hmm. by bringing awareness and opening up the mind you get to see all the nuances you get to see all the all, all the gray in between the black and the white and that's you know that's not helpful when you're legitimately in danger you know you don't want to be smelling the roses and, and and seeing the and seeing the gray when there's a tiger running at you okay so that's when you want to be in fight or flight but you don't want to be in fight or flight for the whole day you know and that's that's what happens when you're triggered when you're emotionally reactive everyone else seems wrong
0: and you seem right i think that it's a very health exercise that most of us should go at least once in our life definitely Chips, I don't want to hold you longer. Thank you very much for opening up and sharing your experiences and your wisdom with us. Highly appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure. Especially excited to have you all the way from Australia. I think it's cool to think how it's so easy nowadays to connect, even if physically we are so far away, I know. but it has been great to mentally be there with you. So thanks again to be with us today.
1: Yeah, pleasure. Thanks a lot. Take care.
0: So that was all for today and thank you very much for being a loyal listener. Let us know if there is any topic you would like us to cover down in the space for comments. Have a great rest of the week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our bi-weekly podcast. And remember, this is about spreading and sharing the knowledge. So feel free to forward this audio to anybody you believe could get any benefit out of it. Coaching Talks Podcast, your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey.